This is the Calvary Bible Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. We're praying this message encourages you. Learn more about Calvary and join us online each Sunday for services at calvarybible.com. Do you ever wonder about God's will for your life? I think most of us do. We ask ourselves, what does God want me to do? Where does he want me to live? Who should I marry? When do I know if this is the right decision? How do I know if I'm living in God's will? I love having this conversation with young people. They're not alone in this, but college students and young adults wrestle deeply with this question. And it is such a good one. What is God's will for my life? If you've been with us this fall, you know we've been opening the New Testament book of Hebrews together, and we're going to wrap it up today in chapter 13. We started in the last week of August. Now it's the first week of December, 16 weeks together. I know at times we've probably all thought, all right, let's be real. What does this 2,000-year-old letter that references all this stuff that happened thousands of years before that, what does that have to do with my life today? I hope we've answered that for you this fall. But if we haven't, stick with us because today, Hebrews chapter 13 gets very practical. As it comes to a close, there's all of these principles for living. So open your Bibles with me there to Hebrews chapter 13. The final chapter of this great letter includes something like 20 instructions for living. And if you ever think the Bible is out of date or old-fashioned or not up to speed with what your life is like today, check out some of the themes that our author addresses in Hebrews 13. How to live in personal relationships, sex, money, leadership. All that stuff's relevant to my life. I don't know about yours. But let's look together at chapter 20 of Hebrews 13, which says, Now, may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the closing prayer of Hebrews, our author's concluding thought. It's chock full of important themes and topics that we've already covered in our series, but don't miss that our author is asking God in a prayer to equip or supply or resource his readers in the first century and in the 21st with everything they need to do the will of God in their life. Sometimes it can be really hard to know God's will in our life. Some of the decisions we make are unclear to us. Is, is this job God's will for me? Is it God's will that I marry this particular person, buy this house, live in this city? If you're a high school student, you're grappling with what is God's will for me in the next season of my life? Is it a gap year before college? Is it community college? Is it trade school, work, the military? If it is, what branch of the military? Or if it's college, which one? I mean, it's obviously the University of Colorado. But there's so much pressure for us to make the right, exact decision 
And admittedly, many of these decisions are unclear as to what we ought to do. The the Bible is silent about many decisions that we make in our lives. But what helps, I think, is to know what is clearly the will of God for us. There are very specific commands in the scriptures that if we follow them, if we obey in doing so, we do the will of God. And I find that when we, with God's help, try to do his will, those other decisions that the Bible is silent about will become more clear for us. And we're not alone. It says in verse 21 that God will equip us, will give us, will resource us, will supply us with everything good that we may do his will. He gives us what we need. And we're going to look at several examples today of ways that we can obey and do the will of God. Verse 21 goes on to say that God is working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. When we live our lives in the will of God, God is pleased. Another way of saying that is that God is worshipped. There are these two ideas in verse 21, the, the will of God and the worship of God. I think our author is linking these two ideas together for us, the will of God and the worship of God. It's not the only place in the Bible where we see that link. Think of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The worship of God and the will of God. They go hand in hand. In fact, I would say that God's will for us is a life of worship. God's will for us is a life of worship. And when we were together last time at the end of chapter 12 of Hebrews, we saw that one of the callings in the life of the Christian is a life of reverent worship. Verses 28 and 29 of Hebrews 12 say, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for God is a consuming fire. Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Remember, worship isn't limited to Sundays. Worship is not music, but music can be worship. Worship is a lifestyle. It's the kind of life that our author goes on to describe in Hebrews chapter 12. You know, these verse markers and changes between chapter 12 and chapter 13 are helpful for us to be able to navigate the Bible and find specific verses, but sometimes they interrupt the flow of thought. And we might think, oh, chapter 12 comes to an end, so that thought is over, and there's a new thought that's beginning in verse in chapter 13 in verse 1. I don't think that's the case here. I think that the author of Hebrews describes a life of worship in chapter 13 after he sets that theme before us at the end of chapter 12. 
So I think chapter 13 is filled with examples of acceptable, reverent worship. Chapter 13 is like the life of worship described. A life of worship in our relationships with people. Check out verse 1 of Hebrews 13. Let brotherly and sisterly love continue. We're called to love the family of God. Other people who call on the name of the Lord Jesus, we're called to love them as if they are our brothers or sisters. A life of worship is we love people we don't even know. Verse 2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Verse 13 describes a life of worship as we love people who are in prison or who have been mistreated. Remember those who are in prison, verse 3 says, as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. It describes a life of worship in our marriages. Verse 4, let marriage be held in honor among all and a life of worship in our sexual relationships. At the end of verse 4, let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. How often do we think of our sexual lives as as worship unto God? And how often do we consider that, that when we align our sexual lives with what God calls us to do, that 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 is pleasing and acceptable to God. That God has designed us in a certain way to express sexuality only in a covenantal marital relationship between a man and a woman, and that when we do so, we are worshiping God. It is an act of worship that is pleasing to Him, a sacrifice unto the Lord. Verse thir- or chapter 13 describes a life of worship as we spend and save our resources. In verse 5, keep your life free from the love of money, it says, and be content with what you have. For he has said, God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It describes a life of worship inside of our church. In verse 7, remember your leaders, it says. Those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And then jump down to verse 17, where it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. One of the callings on my life is is an attitude of worship as one of your pastors is that I would do so with joy, not with groaning or complaining or begrudgingly, but, but that I would lead with joy. You make it so easy to lead with joy at Calvary. You're faithful. You're an encouragement. You pray for us like it encourages you to do in verse 18. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful to be part of a community of people who worship God with their lives. Not perfectly, not without occasional problems, but just trying to do God's will and to live a life that is pleasing in His sight. God's will for us is a life of worship. And according to verse 15, that life of worship is not limited to certain times or even just in these examples we've looked at briefly. It says, Through him, Jesus. Then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Continually. All the time. 
offering up a sacrifice of praise to God, not occasionally, but continually we praise God for who he is and what he has done, what he has provided, and all that he has promised to us. How much more could we cultivate continual worship in our hearts to the Lord? I don't know what you'll be doing this time tomorrow. Maybe you'll be at work. Maybe you'll be at school. Maybe you'll be volunteering or spending time with friends or family, working out. Whatever we're doing and wherever we are, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. We know this is the kind of life we want to live because of everything that we've discovered about Jesus during our study. He is greater than any problem we face greater than any person we could ever imagine. And because he is greater, he is worthy to be worshipped with our lives. And verse 15 goes on to say that this sacrifice of praise is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. A life of worship includes those opportunities to share with others that Jesus is greater, that he is better that he is the same yesterday and today and forever. The eternally existent Son of God, who left heaven and came to earth to save people from their sins by sacrificing his life in our place. We acknowledge the name of Jesus as we live a life of worship. And we follow his example by not neglecting to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God, verse 16 says. By not neglecting to do good. This is a visual expression of worship, a visible one. Doing good in the world, meeting needs in our community, walking in the good works that God has prepared for us before we even knew Jesus. Not to earn our salvation, but worship of God because of our salvation. There are several ways for each and every one of us to not neglect to do good this Christmas. We're joining together as a church family online and at each of our campuses for the Heart of Advent, a project we do each and every Christmas to help us worship Christ. Wouldn't you agree that Christmas gets so busy every year that we can miss the point of it all? And really, what is the point of Christmas? To worship Christ, the newborn king. God's will for us is a life of worship. So let's worship Christ this Christmas. And here are some of the ways we can do that by doing good and sharing what we have. During this year's Heart of Advent, we're going to support refugees from Afghanistan who are resettling across the Denver metro area by providing furnishings for their apartments, by training up teams of mentors from Calvary who will help these families acclimate to our state, and by giving financially to support and help these families as they get settled here. Our teams are being trained and are ready to greet these families. They're arriving every day, and our teams are ready to receive them. Those teams part of our church, are going to need prayer and support and help. It's a big job, a huge time commitment that can come at a moment's notice. And we're going to have opportunities to show brotherly and sisterly love to them as they minister, not just in the new year, but in the the years ahead. They're doing a great work by showing hospitality to strangers. We'll keep you updated on their efforts 
but we're eager to hear the ways that God is going to use them and the ministry that's going to happen, and we're trusting God for his help in the days ahead. You can find out ways that you can help to support this ministry by heading to calvarybible.com slash heart of Advent. We'll put a link in the description below. We're also continuing our long-term partnership with Step Seminary in Haiti. You know, there have been so many crises there recently. And by God's grace, the seminary is experiencing increased enrollment in spite of everything that's happening. And they've asked us to help them again. Some of the professors there are getting close to aging out of being able to teach, and the seminary has identified multiple leaders who could step into some of those roles. So we're going to invest in the training and development of three future professors who could minister there and then also care for the leadership of the seminary through a much-needed retreat. Also, each of our campuses in Boulder, Erie, and Thornton have local projects to help meet needs in their communities. And As we minister locally, we want to seek the welfare of the cities where God has called us to be. Jeremiah 29, 7 says, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you. And part of the way we do that is by developing relationships with local community organizations and partnering with them in the great work that they do in our communities. A couple of them reached out to us recently and asked for our help. The Emergency Family Assistance Association in Boulder, which helps families in need with housing and food support, called us and said, our food pantry is running really low. You've helped us a number of times over the years with some of our biggest food drives we've ever had. Would you be willing to do one for us now to help meet the needs in our community? It would really help us. We said, of course. So we've got a list of food needs and we're taking food donations for EFA until December 19th. You can help with that. You can find out details at calvarybible.com slash heart of Advent. We also reached out to one of our local public schools in Boulder that we've had a long-term relationship with. And we just asked them, in addition to the ways that we're helping them, if there were any ways we could pray for them. We didn't know if we'd hear anything back, but they sent us a list of six prayer requests for their students and families, for their teachers and leadership. How amazing is that? That a local public school in the city of Boulder would say, can you please pray for us? And here's some specific ways you can help by praying for us. What do you think we should do about that? Probably pray. Remember, Jeremiah 29, 7, this is like our vision verse for local outreach in all of our communities says, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find welfare. We have been asked by city leaders to pray for some very specific needs in our city, specifically at this local public school. If you'd like to pray with us in that effort, click on the link in the description below and I'll send you those requests so that you can pray for the needs of one of our cities. Prayer serving, giving generously. Those are ways that each of us can do good and share what we have this Christmas and worship Christ. Every dollar we receive towards this year's Heart of Advent will go out into the world and into our communities to demonstrate the love of God. You can find out more about how you can participate and give by going to calvarybible.com slash heart of Advent. God's will for us is a life of worship. You might spend a little time reviewing Hebrews chapter 13 
and asking God to help you see if there are any ways you might more fully align your life with his will for you. Any areas that could use adjustment, if there's any ways we can help, we'd love to do that. You can reach out and let us know. My prayer for you is that as we've studied this great book of Hebrews together, that you have seen Jesus as greater. Not just like theologically greater, but personally greater in your life, that he is greater in your day-to-day life now because of what we've discovered about him in our study in the book of Hebrews, greater than other lesser things in our world, and that your heart overflows with worship for Jesus. And now, may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd, of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.